Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, May 30th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu plunges Israel into repeat elections instead of allowing his rival a chance to form the next government. Democrats are split on whether to pursue impeachment of U.S. President Donald Trump after special counsel Robert Mueller made a public statement on the investigation into Russian election interference. And two female partners at KPMG have left the accounting firm after alleging it mishandled bullying claims against a senior male colleague. Plus, the FT's George Parker explains what the latest European elections mean for the UK and how it might influence the upcoming Conservative Party's leadership race. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. In an unprecedented move, Israel will have a second national election after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu dissolved parliament on Wednesday. Some 40 days following the April elections, Netanyahu's Lukid party and its allies could not secure the 61 seats needed to form a government. The biggest roadblock was Avigdor Lieberman, a former Netanyahu ally, who demanded the government pass a bill increasing the conscription of ultra-Orthodox minorities into the military. Netanyahu dissolved parliament rather than allow his political rival, Benny Gantz, to have the chance of forming a government. The fresh elections throw a range of Israeli political issues into disarray. The White House was aiming for a peace plan to be unveiled after Netanyahu took office. And now Netanyahu will have trouble passing immunity for himself in a bid to avoid prosecution for corruption charges to be brought by the attorney general around December. The fresh Israel elections won't be held until September. The U.S. special counsel Robert Mueller made an unexpected public statement to Americans for the first time since starting his investigation almost two years ago into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. In his statement, he called attention to the fact that his inquiry did not formally exonerate President Donald Trump of wrongdoing. If we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. A president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. The FT's U.S. managing editor, Peter Spiegel, explains how Democrats responded to Mueller's statement and what might happen next. Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House of Representatives, is finding herself this morning in a rather untenable position over whether she should begin impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. The trigger for this is none other than Robert Mueller, the special counsel who surprised everyone in Washington by deciding to speak for the first time in almost two years. And when he he appeared at the podium, it wasn't so much what he said as how he said it. He repeated many of the things that were in his 400-page report, but he pulled out two individual things to highlight. One, that he had never actually cleared Donald Trump of any wrongdoing, particularly when it comes to obstruction of justice. And two, it was the constitutional right of Congress to proceed, if they wanted to, with the next leg of the investigation. This prompted a whole slew of Democrats to come out and call for beginning of impeachment proceedings, including very prominent presidential candidates, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Pelosi thus far has held stuck to her guns. She has refused to allow impeachment proceedings to proceed, arguing that the investigations that are now underway should continue. And she's been aided in this by Jerry Nadler, who is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, the committee that would have to begin impeachment proceedings. However, it's unclear how long she can let this happen. 
There are clearly members of her own caucus in the House who want impeachment proceedings to start, and the pressure coming from her base and from the Democratic presidential candidates will not help in this regard. And two KPMG female partners have left the accounting firm over the way it handled bullying claims against a senior male partner. The two women resigned because they felt KPMG had failed to respond adequately to concerns raised last year about the alleged bullying by a senior male partner in the UK. Separately, an anonymous complaint was made through a whistleblowing hotline about his conduct in a meeting. KPMG investigated the complaints and concluded the action did not amount to bullying. It resulted in January in the male partner apologizing to certain employees and agreeing to leadership coaching. The two women resigned in February in protest. They had 40 years of experience at KPMG between them. The former partners declined to comment. KPMG said it, quote, does not tolerate bullying of any sort. KPMG is the only big four accounting firm that failed to reduce its gender pay gap over the past 12 months. The median pay gap between male and female KPMG staff earnings actually increased to 28%. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. This is George Parker. I'm the political editor of the Financial Times, speaking to you from the House of Commons. And looking back on a pretty momentous week in British politics, we had the European Parliament elections last week, which saw Nigel Farage, the former leader of UKIP, launch his new party, the Brexit Party, to incredible success. And what was very interesting about the European elections was it really polarised British politics You had a third of the voters going for a very hard Brexit party once Britain out at the earliest opportunity from the European Union. And in second place, first time ever, that the Liberal Democrats have come second ahead of the two main parties, pro-European Liberal Democrats polled 20%. And what you could see there really was a polarisation of British politics between parties which have very clear messages on Europe, the Brexit Party, which wants Britain out, parties like the Liberal Democrats and also the Green Party, which did very well, wanting to keep Britain in the European Union through a second referendum. And what that means is the two main British political parties, the Labour Party and the Conservative Party, have been pushed to the sort of extremes of the European debate. So Theresa May's Conservative Party now look like they're going to head down a hard Brexit route. We've got a leadership contest coming up, of course, to replace Theresa May. We expect the next Tory leader to be a firm Brexiteer promising to take Britain out of the EU on the 31st of October, whether they have a deal in place or not. And at the same time, huge pressure on the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn to be much more explicitly pro-Remain. So a number of senior figures in the Labour Party saying to Jeremy Corbyn, look, now is the time to get off the fence on Brexit and to unequivocally say Labour is a party which wants a second referendum and will campaign for Remain. So people are now talking about, well, what's going to happen next? Well, we will see the next Tory leader emerge in the next few weeks. That will then lead into the autumn and that key rendezvous with the European Union, the 31st of October. What we'll see is the Tory leader saying they'll want to renegotiate the deal. It's very hard to see how a deal could be renegotiated from scratch in such a short space of time. I suspect that means we'll see another delay to the Brexit date beyond October the 31st, assuming the EU is prepared to grant that. Then we'll see a Tory leader trying to renegotiate the deal. It's possible the EU might make some concessions, but I think fairly unlikely at this stage. As far as the EU is concerned, the negotiation over Brexit is complete. Now, if no meaningful concessions are wrung out of Brussels, the new Tory leader will have to come back to Parliament, maybe suggest that Britain leaves without a deal. In that case, it's fairly clear to me, at least, that Parliament will stop that happening. And then the question arises, what happens next? Well, then the Conservative leader would face a choice 
between a general election, which the Conservative Party would look almost certain to lose, not least with Nigel Farage and his Brexit party breathing down their neck, or the option that many people are now talking about, and which I've written about in a big read for the Financial Times this week, is the possibility of a second referendum, with the British public faced between a choice between a no-deal exit or remain. And basically what you're seeing is Britain being divided into two tribes, really, two camps on Brexit, and the possibility that that second referendum could be the moment when we see a rerun of that big battle back in 2016. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following Uber as it releases its first quarter earnings. It'll be the first report from the tech unicorn since it listed on the New York Stock Exchange earlier this month. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. And before we go, yesterday we brought you a story about two countries teaming up to block the German conservative Manfred Weber from becoming president of the European Commission. We incorrectly stated that it was Spain and Germany working together. In fact, it's Spain and France. We also referred to Emmanuel Macron as prime minister. Mr. Macron is president of France. 